and roll. Not really rock and roll. It's more like uh, afternoon adventures in your local hometown, Sonoma County, downtown Petaluma local radio studio. With I, your host, Gio Benedetti. Uh, Jenny and the gals are not in the studio this week. We'll probably wrangle them in in coming weeks. Don't worry. I know you're missing them. I've been getting a lot of mail saying, uh, we're tired of Geo. We're tired of Geo's voice. We want Jenny and the gals. And we hear you, Sonoma County. We hear you. You're going to get them one of these days. But in the meantime, um, I'm going to pay attention to the other truckloads of fan mail that say, Geo, your voice is amazing. We love it. It's the greatest thing. I can't wait for 3 o'clock on Sunday. Thank you guys for that. It really pumps us up to get all that mail. Although um, it is a little scary when instead of like the normal mail truck driving up to your house, it's a giant 18-wheeler thing and they have to uh, bring out uh, forklifts. We've had to make a, a new shed in the backyard for the fan mail. So um, keep it coming. I mean, do not stop. I do not want to stop you guys from sending it all. Um, it's, it's great, especially... Uh, all of the artwork you're sending, all the custom uh, design dragons, because you know we love dragons and wizards and stuff, so it's been fun. Um, I'm just saying that uh, the volume of mail has created some very interesting challenges at home. Um, but you know what? That's neither here nor there. Uh, you know what is here and there is poetry. Um, and again, because... I am still trying to be Shel Silverstein. I've been contacting a lot of people, and apparently um, the Shel Silverstein estate is not looking for somebody to become the next Shel Silverstein and to take up um, his name and his mantle and his reputation and also his clothes and his old cars. Uh, they don't need that, apparently. Um, they say that they're uh, fine and that I should stop calling them. But I think that they just want to see if I'm persistent, so I'm going to keep calling them seeing if I can be the next Shel Silverstein. And in the meantime, I'm going to keep writing poems trying to be Shel Silverstein. This one's called Another First Day of School because, um, you know, Stella and Emmy have been going back to school. It's been back-to-school weeks uh, for uh, Benedettiville. So that's what this poem is about. Maybe you can relate. I need some poetry music. The poetry music is shockingly similar to the story music, but... We're going to need some. It's getting, you guys, so that I can't, I can barely talk now without background music. So when I'm meeting friends uh, and I want to tell them a story, they're like, oh, you're never going to believe what happened. I have to say, oh, wait, excuse me, hold on. And I have to wait for this music to start playing before I can actually say anything. But now that the music's going, let's go back to that uh, poetry, shall we? Another first day of school. Where to go? What to do? Where's our room? Don't know. Do you? Who is that? I think they're new. Where to sit? Is this grade two? Lots of faces. Lots of names. Lots of rules. Not enough games. Brand new teacher. Brand new room. Same old boring. Same old gloom. Ring for recess. Ring for class. Jokes to whisper. Notes to pass. Making friends. Make believe. End of school. Time to leave. To the car. To the house. Backpack down. Butt on couch. Finally free. Finally home. Tell your homework. Drop that phone. Sigh and grumble. Grouch and whine. School. Homework. Time. 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 But don't worry and never fear. School's just the next 11 years. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, kids, but uh, yeah, you got a while. You got a while left yet. 
Um, in the meantime, make the best of it because, you know, it's really not that bad. It's actually pretty awesome. You're going to meet some really fun people there. You'll learn some really awesome stuff. Uh, oh, man, flashing sponsorship light. So I got I to gotta run the next uh, commercial here. So let's hear a word from our sponsors here at Benedettiville, keeping us on the radio, keeping us Benedettiville Small Town Adventures, coming to you guys live every Sunday from 3 to 4. Let's see what's going on. Everyone just calls me Stinkabill. You can call me Stinkabill, too. I don't mind. Do you want to know why? That's because my name's Bill, and I'm Stinky. Hey, <laughs> I've got a restaurant. It's called the Garbage Pail. Do you want to know why? It's because our tables are like giant garbage pails. And y'all sit around a big shallow garbage pail and have dinner. You'll love it. It's the most exciting place to eat ever. We never know what we're going to serve. Do you want to know why? It's because we only serve garbage. Your garbage. I'm in you just a list of addresses. You pick the address. We bring you the garbage can from that address. We dump it out on your table. There you go. Eat it up. Maybe 289 on Mulberry Court. Dad chicken and apple for dinner. And then maybe, unrelated to that chicken dinner, they just threw out a bunch of old cotton. Well, then you're having chicken bones and old cotton for dinner. Bone appetite. If one six four seven six greens for a circle, filled up their garbage can with birthday decorations from their party last week as well, you'll be Maybe you'll get a piece of cake, or a cupcake, or some kind of garbage birthday treat. But watch out, they probably have lots of wrapping paper and old paper plates in there, too. Watch out for anything in the Birmingham Drive neighborhood. Do you want to know why? It's because lots of dog owners are out there. Do you know what that means? That's where we get to bring the poop bell. Ding, 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 ding. Watch out for the poop, guys. We have a motto here at the garbage pit. Do you want to know what it is? A surprise customer is a happy customer. Thanks to our motto, we have 100% happy customers. So come on by to the garbage pail and come see me, your buddy Stinky Bill. The garbage pail. It's as delicious as it is. Please watch out for poop. We'll be ding, 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 Billy. Wow. You know what? Uh, he's not kidding about that. We went down there. I mean, one of the cool thing about having these sponsorships is that, you know, uh, we got, like, free tickets to go down to the garbage pail for dinner with the whole family. So I'm not going to pass that up. So down we went to the garbage pail. And, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, legitimately disgusting. Uh, we ordered from 9427 uh, Scottsdale Circle. Um, and apparently they uh, they apparently just threw away... A whole bunch of cat food. I don't know if the cat food had gone bad, but there was a lot of cat food in our garbage pail, um, along with some uh, lawn clippings. Just so you know, uh, Scottsdale Circle, there's no reason to throw lawn clippings in the garbage. You can just put those in the compost bin. We were really hoping for some good leftovers or something, but uh, most of it was crumpled up paper and uh, the lawn clippings and, like I said, the cat food. So... Uh, but, you know, there are sponsors, so maybe check it out if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, I'm sure you can find them up in your uh, local telephone directory. Um, you guys remember, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before when Ben and Daddyville got to do our live show. Man, still pretty excited about that. Not going to lie. It was awesome. And one of the songs that we performed is a song that is near and dear to our hearts. Because if there's one thing that all of us in Ben and Daddyville want to be, is a hero, but uh, you can't always be the kind of hero that you want to be or the kind of hero that appears in all of uh, your favorite comic books and TV shows. And that's what this song's about. Enjoy. <laughs> 
and Chevrolet have just walked through the magical gateway to Fairyland. They have walked up through the tunnels to the very, very tippity top of a very, very, very tall mountain cliff where they have discovered something. And that is where our story picks up today. Let us re-enter the amazing adventures of Chevrolet the Ahem. Chevrolet looked around them. They were in a clearing, all of stone. Large stone fingers reached out of the crest of the mountaintop, creating a rough stone pillar circle all around the clearing. In the middle of the clearing was a black stone block. In the middle of the black stone block was a large staff. The large black jewel at the top of the black staff was pointing towards the sky. Sneaker, the little closet grump, was yapping and pawing all around the base of the black stone, pointing and whining and yipping. Well, we found it, Chevrolet said, slowly approaching the stone and the staff. Whatever it is that Jervis and Egret, a.k.a. Valix and Eelwick, and Mug, and the three days are all about, whatever these strange magical happenings are all about, I'm pretty sure we found the key. Chevrolet and Magnus walked all around the block looking for anything, a clue, writing, anything that could give a hint as to what exactly they had found. Magnus gave up and sat on the dusty rock some distance from the center block. I guess we'll have to go back and look at your books again, Magnus said, scratching Sneaker's ears absently. Chevrolet was not so quick to give up, however. Her eyes couldn't tell her anything, so she began to trace her fingers over every inch of the stone. Finally, along the north-facing side of the cube, she felt something. Aha! She said triumphantly. There's writing here. It's carved so cleverly, maybe it's even magically hidden that you can't see it against the black stone, but I can feel it. She began rummaging in her pouches and quickly produced a piece of paper and a dark, short, black stick. She put the sheet of paper onto the block of stone and started to rub the stick over the paper. Magnus came up behind her. Whoa! What kind of fairy magic is that? Is that like an invisibility detector stick or something? Chevrolet laughed. No, it's just charcoal. See? Oh, right. Like we did with the fall leaves for Miss Scolbert's class when she made us collect the leaves. Yes, exactly, said Chevrolet. Chevrolet was just finishing up the last of her charcoal rubbing when Sneaker started yipping, bouncing, and clawing at her legs. Chevrolet stooped down. What is it, little guy? Sneaker stopped yipping and let out a few quiet whines, his ears shaking. Magnus and Chevrolet pricked up their ears. They could hear distant voices and scrabbling from the trail, coming from deep, deep in the tunnel. It sounded like Valak and Eelwick. Magnus's face turned pale. Hurry! We gotta get out of here right now! He hissed at Chevrolet, pulling her towards the tunnel. It was the only way off of the jagged stone peak. Are you crazy? Chevrolet hissed back, pulling Magnus towards the stone block. They're already in the tunnel. We can't get back that way until they leave. We'll have to hide here. Do you have a hiding spell? Magnus asked, hopefully. Do you have another potion? No. Something better, Chevrolet said. Giant stone pillars to hide behind. And she pulled Magnus to one of the large stone fingers of rock that raised up out of the mountaintop. Stay behind this. The ledge isn't big, so be careful and don't look down. Sneaker snuck behind the pillar to Magnus's left. Chevrolet behind the pillar to his right. Magnus couldn't help it. He looked down. There was just enough room for his shoes on the mountain ledge before it dropped in a steep cliff for what seemed like miles below. He got dizzy. He wrapped his arms around the pillar, shut his eyes, and took deep breaths. 
The sound of scrabbling stones, footsteps, and voices grew louder and louder. Valix and Eowyn were approaching the mountaintop, and they did not sound happy. I'm telling you, our powers are, are not fully restored yet, and even after today's ceremony, there's no use rushing things, Valix was saying, striding to keep up with Eowyn as she approached the black stone. We are plenty powerful, the two of us together, Valix. Another day won't make a difference, Eowyn said, her voice sharp and impatient. Someone or something has found our gateway, and that means we're out of time. Tonight! It will happen tonight! They had both reached the black stone. They stopped speaking and stood at the base, gazing up at the staff and at the jewel that sparkled darkly above their heads. Once we have summoned the swamp hordes, once the goblin kingdom and the troll clans come rallying to our call, we will have power enough to deal with anyone and anything. Eowick said, almost purring the words as she reached her hands towards the staff. Valix's eyes glinted. He smiled greedily. Hmm. Well, when you put it that way, it would be so nice to sit on a throne again. One more night serving those awful people their slop and gruel. I, I may go mad. Oh, Valix, don't be so hard on them. They've served their purpose. The laboratory and their generous buying and clearing the land for our spell, they've been most useful. But enough chatter, let the ritual begin. Now, all of this was heard by Magnus, but not seen because his eyes were very, very tightly closed. Chevrolet, on the other hand, was riveted. This was magical investigation at its most exciting. She was crouched down as low as possible, her eyes just barely peeking around the edge of the pillar that she hid behind. She watched everything. She was amazed as Valix and Eowyn each placed a hand upon the dark stone. Their other hands were clasped together. Then, with their eyes closed, they began to chant and to sing. Now, when Chevrolet cast a spell, the sound was beautiful, high, and pleasant singing. This was nothing pleasant at all. There was nothing pleasant in what Valak and Eowick were doing whatsoever. Their chanting and calling sounded like wails and growls and screeches. At times it was shouts, at times whispers, but always there was a mean, nasty edge in the voice. Chevrolet looked up in awe as the sky above the mountain began to gather with dark, black, and purple clouds. They swirled and collected directly above the staff, and the jewel in the staff began to glow. The intensity of Valix and Eowick's chanting grew, as did the dark glow of the jewel, as did the swirling and the roiling of the clouds above. Magnus shut his eyes tight, even tighter, and would have covered his ears against the terrible sound if he could have let go of the pillar safely. A dark light began to unwind from the jewel and the staff like a wiry pentacle. It stretched upwards towards the clouds, while the clouds began to stretch a thick cloud tendril towards the staff. The chanting increased and rose to a shrieking crescendo. The two winding tendrils touched in midair, and a great pulse of energy ran and rattled the entire mountaintop. Magnus was glad to be holding on as tightly as he was, and he was nearly shaken loose. Chevrolet was spilled on her side, clear of the pillar that she was hiding behind, but Eowick and Valak saw nothing of the half-fairy girl on the ground. They were transfixed as dark black waves of energy pulsed from the clouds down to the jewel to the black stone, and as Chevrolet watched, her eyes a goggle behind her spectacles, straight through the hands of Valix and Eowick, rolling and coiling around their bodies. All at once, the chant stopped. The clouds pulled their tendril back with a crack and the jewel's light went out, and Eowick and Valix staggered back several steps from the black stone. It was quiet but for the wind blowing through the pillars. 
I almost feel like my old self again, Valix finally said, stretching his legs, flexing his arms, and snorting air through his hook nose. Tonight, my king, tonight our power will once again shake the world, Eolith cried, raising her arms to the sky. The two figures joined hands and departed the clearing. Chevrolet and Magnus and Sneaker waited until the sounds of their passage down the tunnel had long since fallen into silence. Sneaker was the first one to step back into the clearing. Chevrolet followed. Magnus, you can open your eyes now. It's safe-ish. Magnus pried his hands off of the pillar and slowly and carefully edged his way back to the mountaintop. That was crazy! He finally managed once he was back on solid ground. Very, very crazy, Chevrolet said. I've never seen dark magic at work before. That was... Scary. Magnus shuddered. What do we do now? There's no time. They said they said they're going to do whatever it is tonight, he said. We need help, Chevrolet said, and I know where we can find it. You do? Magnus said, hopefully. Where? Well, at the bookstore, Chevrolet replied. They made their way very carefully back to Magnus's room. Sneaker and Magnus checked the house for Valix and Egret's activities. While Chevrolet stayed hidden in Magnus's room, when the coast was clear, they scurried out, got on their bikes, and rode into downtown Grimsford to the bookstore to find help. Oh, man. All right, we're going to get some more chapters in on our radio show today, but we're going to take a pause right there with old Chevrolet and Magnus. Because, you know, after you've been listening to stories for a long time, sometimes you just got to, like, shake things loose. So I invite you all to uh, stand up, get a little, get some room. If you're in a car, then it's okay. You can still participate in the car. If you're the driver, participate at your discretion. If you're a very, very confident and great driver, you too can freeze dance while driving. But if you're at home, like, man, make some room. Put, take your shoes off maybe would be the best thing to do. Slidey socks, hopefully hardwood floors, or barefoot on a carpet. Just recommendations. And uh, prepare yourselves for a little something uh, we like to call a freeze dance. Alright, now you guys know the rules of a freeze dance. No. You can only yes. dance when the music is playing. When the music stops, you have to freeze. Okay.
<laughs> I hope you guys had a good time. Uh, we recorded that uh, with a bunch of our friends and family, and they rocked it. They were amazing freeze dancers. So I hope you guys uh, got some of got some of that energy out and are ready for another round of storytelling. But of course, before we get to some storytelling, you guys remember that uh, there's a Benedettiville book club. You might not. Hey, you know what will help you remember? You will probably remember if you hear a Super Jam book club theme song. So let me see if I have one. Oh, we do. Um, I'm sorry. I just got a, uh, I'm getting a lot of emails and texts from people listening to the show saying, hey, just tuned in, didn't catch that super awesome groovy book club theme. Could you please play it again? And I wasn't going to this time. I know I have every other time, but this time I wasn't going to, except that I got so many emails and phone calls, and we're going to have to play it again. Yeah! <laughs> I really like that theme. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, for the Benedettiville Book Club, uh, we've been having a lot of fun reading James and the Giant Peach, and uh, we have finished it. So hopefully some of you guys out there were inspired to um, to go and read James and the Giant Peach also, right? Did they make a movie of that one yet? I'm sure they did. They've been using all of Roald Dahl's stories for movies, but um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they have or not. Anyway, it's time for us to choose a new book because we really enjoy James and the Giant Peach. We really enjoy having some story time. And chapter books are cool because it gives you something to look forward to, I think, as you're about to conk out for the night, get your snoozing on. And the next book that we are reading, we got the... This is a fun story. Um, Stella and I were hanging out downtown. We popped into Copperfield's bookstore, as uh, we are wont to do. And there was an author with her book. Now, not only was there an author with her book, she had something else at her little table with her book and her pen that she was using to sign. She had Oreo cookies. And if you uh, ever want to make friends, just offer them Oreo cookies. And so we made friends with Ellen Potter, who was the wonderful author and the very kind woman who wrote this book. And the book is called Bigfoot and Littlefoot. And that is the new chapter book that we, Benedetti Villians, are going to be reading for the Benedettiville Book Club. So, if you're so inclined, wherever books are available, see if you can uh, read along with us. I think you'll enjoy it. It's a fine tale about little Sasquatches, which are called squidges, which I think is a great word. Squidge. Squidge, squidge, squidge. I mean, you could say that forever. Um, oh, man. Sorry. Red light's on again. It is sponsor time. And then after our sponsor uh, gives us a little talking to, let's get back to Chevrolet Glitterwing. But let's see what our sponsors have to say here. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Boy, am I bored. I'm also lonely. Boy, am I bored and lonely. Maybe my sister can play with me. Hey, big sister, want to play? Beat it, kid. I'm doing important big sister stuff. That sure wasn't very nice. Maybe my little sister can play with me. Hey, little sis, want to play? Be it, big cake. I'm doing important little sister stuff. <sighs> I wish I had a pet I could play with when my siblings won't play with me. 
Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. Can I get a pet? No way. It's too much work and too much responsibility. Exactly. We could only get a pet that didn't shed, didn't poop, and didn't pee. Didn't eat, didn't need walks, and didn't chew everything up in the house all the time. And that pet doesn't exist. <sighs> now I'm bored, lonely, and sad, too. I'm just going to go sit outside on this nice-looking rock here. Hey, hey, kid. Wait, what? Who said that? I didn't meet the rock. Down here. The rock? Sure, I'm a talking rock. Look, I'm the grooviest pet there ever is. I love to hang out, play games, and I'm super easy to take care of. Wow, really? A pet talking rock? Well, wait a minute. What is it? Do you shed? Nope, rocks don't shed. Do you poop and pee? Never had, never will. Do you eat? Nope, not at all. Do you need walks and do you chew up everything in the house? I wouldn't want to walk even if I had legs. And I never chew up anything, especially in the house. You're the perfect pet. Sure am. Want to play a game? Yeah. How about hide and seek? Just throw me into those bushes over there and close your eyes. You're the best friend and pet a kid can ask for. I am really tickled by these things. That was uh, Talking Rock. Thanks, Talking Rock. They're great sponsors. That little uh, Talking Rock sponsorship bit was created by our amazing, amazing participants in our summer uh, Make Your Own Radio Show program that we uh, hosted down at the Petaluma Arts Center. So thanks to all you amazing kids that came in and helped us write and produce Talking Rock. That was a pretty rocking song. Get it? Get it? Oh. All right. I'm sorry for that. That was a little out of line. That pun was out of line. It's time to get back to our story. Chevrolet and Magnus got to figure out what is going on, and they need help. So they're going to a bookstore? I don't know. Chevrolet seems to know what's up. Let's jump back in. Magnus and Chevrolet pulled their bikes onto the rack outside Distant World's Bookshop. Magnus looked at the large sign over the door. Chevrolet led the way past stacks and stacks of fresh, new-smelling books towards the kids' section. She stopped beside a woman wearing circular glasses. Her friendly, pretty face was framed by long, silver-gray hair. She was currently talking to a mother and a young child, offering them suggestions on picture books. Her name tag said, Patty. When she was done helping the mother and daughter, now happily approaching the cash register with an armload of lovely books, she turned and with a big smile and happy cry of Chevrolet, wrapped the young investigator up in a tight embrace. Once released from the hug, Chevrolet introduced Patty to Magnus. Then, lowering her voice, she got very close to Patty's ear. Patty, we are on a very serious and urgent mission. We need your help. I see. Follow me. 
he led the children over to a large, wonderful painting of a tree that covered a pillar in the center of the kids' section of the bookstore. Patty looked all around to make sure no one was watching. Assured that they were unobserved, she spoke a few quiet, musical words. At her words, a golden keyhole appeared in the trunk of the painted tree. Patty took a small gold key from around her neck, placed it in the lock, and, with a click, opened a door in the pillar. She beckoned the kids inside, followed after them, and locked the door behind her. Magnus was fascinated. I love magic, he murmured, wandering around the well-lit, spacious office that they now found themselves in. The pillar that the tree was painted on was no more than one foot across, and square at that, one foot by one foot. But they had stepped into an office as big as their entire school classroom. Books lined the walls, posters, maps, bulletin boards, notes pinned everywhere, papers lying all about, but yet still very well stacked and organized. Patty took a seat behind a great wooden desk in a large brown chair. Magnus was only half surprised to see delicate purple and gold wings sprouting from her back. You're a fairy? He couldn't help but ask. I am. Patricia Eventide, fairy ambassador to Grimsford in the greater Grims County area, at your service, she said, bowing her head gently whispered Magnus as he sat in a comfortable chair across the desk. Chevrolet sat in the chair beside him. Now, Miss Glitterly, what is so important on this fine spring afternoon when, by my calendar and clock, you ought to be in school, hmm? She asked, peering at them over her glasses. Chevrolet, as quickly and calmly as she could, told the entirety of their story, the details of Valix and Egret, of the dark magic laboratory, of the magic gate in Magnus's room, and of the staff and the dark magic ritual that they had witnessed not one hour ago. She pulled the charcoal rubbing that she had taken on the mountaintop out of her bag and slid it across the desk to Patty. I felt this writing on the stone and I, I made this, this rubbing of it. Can you read it? She asked Patty. Patty had been quiet, her lips pressed together and her forehead wrinkling as the story unfolded. She took the paper, looked at it, and gave a shrill, gasping squeak. <gasps> it can't be, she raved. What is it? asked Magnus and Chevrolet together. It's the staff of... the staff of Nevermore, Patty breathed. I'm almost certain. The inscription is in the dark language of the Swamp Witches, but it's clear enough. She ran to her bookshelves, finally choosing a large, old, black-bound book. She flipped pages, found what she wanted, and then approached the kids with the open book. Is this what you saw? She asked anxiously. Look carefully. They looked. It was a very careful and well-done illustration of the staff that they had seen stuck in the black block of stone. Only in the drawing, it was free of any stone block. That's definitely the staff, Chevrolet said. Patty, what is the staff of Nevermore? It is the powerful, ancient, and terrible weapon of the most powerful of all dark wizards, Brolg of the Swamps, and it was lost ages ago, Patty said. If Valix and Eowick have found it, if they have recovered their powers, and then we are in great peril indeed. I must rouse the council. The, the, wait, the council? Magnus was trying his best to keep up with things, but wizards and staffs and mysteries were beginning to tangle up in his head. Uh, think of it as police, or like the principal's office, but of fairyland. Chevrolet offered, trying to avoid a long explanation. She turned to Patty. Valix and Eowick have something planned for tonight, somewhere on a hilltop. I don't know where. Um, I think I do, Magnus offered. I've heard my mom talking about a clearing on a hilltop and having to get it clear and all sorts of things. I think somehow she got caught up in their magic. Anyway, I, I know where it is. I had to visit it, her with her one day after school, and we stayed there 
forever, even though it was really hot, and I was so hungry, and all I wanted to do was, Where is it? Patty and Chevrolet asked at once. Oh, it's the hilltop that overlooks the river, the one at the end of Magnolia Drive. It used to be the Obledi's farm before my mom and dad bought it, Magna said. Right. I shall go to the council, Patty said, her face deadly serious. You kids stay out of trouble. Go straight to the junkyard and wait for me there. I just hope the council is in time. You know how terribly slow they can be. She peered out a small window in the door of the office. It looked out through the pillar into the bookstore. Once she was sure that no one was looking, she opened the door and shooed the kids out. Stay safe, be careful, and wish me luck, Patty said, staying in the office and waving to the kids. Good luck, Chevrolet and Magnus replied. The pillar door closed with a soft click, and there they were, back in distant lands bookstore. Magnus looked at Chevrolet. Hey, you're not going to try and catch Valix and Eelwick on your own, are you? Please say no, he said. Oh, no, no, I won't, Chevrolet replied, clearly not pleased about it. Once it's council business, I'm not allowed to interfere. I don't have that kind of permission. Well, yet. We'll have to do as she asks and head back to the junkyard. But if we have to ride by the old Abletti's farm on the hilltop on the way back to the junkyard, well... That's, mess- that's not us interfering. That's just us doing what we're supposed to do, right? She said slyly. Magnus groaned out loud, but inside he was thrilled. The adventure had become so grand. It was so terrible, so exciting. He would have been so reluctant to leave it now. They rode off into the late spring afternoon, taking the rather longer way back to Gus's junkyard, to the hilltop at the end of Magnolia Drive. I think we'll do one more chapter today, but we can't just do chapters all day. There's other things that need to happen, like people need to know what they're listening to. Cooper, tell people what they're listening to. Listening to Benadavidu, KPCA FM. Thanks, buddy. Uh, don't forget, you're listening to Benedettiville on KPCA-LP, Petaluma, California, 103.3 FM. We're streaming on the net at kpca.fm. And um, you guys, I've got a buddy. He's a, he's a puppet. I, I have real friends, too. You just aren't ever going to meet them, probably. Um, but I have a real, <laughs> a real puppet friend. His name's Rocco Blastorius. He's a bass player. He's a pretty cool dude. He's got amazing yellow hair. Everybody likes to touch his hair got big old blue eyes, and he makes tasty bass grooves. I think he'd like to share one with you right now. Hey there, Petaluma. It's I, Rocco Blastorius, at you once again. I'm slinging my four-string, picking some sweet pick-baked action with you. Let's get some drum rock! Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Did you even know that was the bass? I could just do that? I mean, I could listen to whole albums of just like electric bass and drums and be probably the happiest camper in all of the puppet land, you know what I mean? But maybe you've never heard just bass and drums before it sounded so sick. <laughs> well, that's why I'm here, bro. Petaluma, enjoy the bass line. Courtesy of I, Rocco Blastorius. Oh, man. I gotta go take a shower.
<laughs> Rocco, man, he puts all of his heart and soul into it. And when you put all your heart and soul into making super rockin' bass jams, I guess you get sweaty? Yeah. Um, well, uh, while Rocco goes into showers, I'd like to share with you another musician. Uh, we got to meet Mike Furman when we did our uh, Benedettiville live show at the Mystic as part of the Petaluma Comedy Festival, and he blew our minds. He didn't, I don't think he performed this one live, but uh, we've been listening to his album that he made, uh, I think it came out this year. And this song has been our get up in the morning, wake up jam around the house because, well, you'll see. It is very nice to listen to around breakfast time. <laughs> Furman, thank you for that lyrical genius. And it's nice that we got that little bit of upbeat stuff because Chevrolet and Magnus are riding their bikes into an extremely dangerous scenario. Kids at home, maybe if uh, dark magic is afoot and plots are unfolding, you know, maybe steer clear. But, well, let's see what Magnus and Chevrolet do. The two magic investigators pedaled fast as they could up the winding turns of Magnolia Drive. It took them out of town towards where a few farms still hung onto their acres of rolling hills and forests in the face of the ever-advancing strip malls, apartments and developments, most of them bought and paid for by Magnus's parents. They rounded a corner and pulled their bikes into the underbrush that lined the road. They stayed in the bushes as they hiked up the remaining yards to the top of Oak Hill. They peered out through the surrounding Magnus could see in the distance the bulldozers with brimly construction painted in black across their yellow sides. Fresh piles of earth were pushed here and there, and the top of the hill was flat and clear of grass and trees. They could see two figures in billowing cloaks making their way across the hilltop. That must be Valix and Eelwith preparing for their spell, Chevrolet whispered in Magnus's ear. Yep said a voice that sounded like boulders sliding down a mountain. Magnus and Chevrolet bolted around and found themselves face to face with Mug, the driver for the Brindley family. He was huge. His jaw was square. Rather pointy ears stuck out from below his chauffeur's cap. His giant, thick, strong hands grabbed the shoulder of each of them. He easily tucked one struggling investigator under each arm and marched out of the trees across the clearing to the treetop. Found these... Mug called as they neared the busy figures of Valix and Eowick. The two robed wizards came over looking very smug and pleased with themselves. Ha! Eowick laughed. Well, if it isn't our own little Maggie, my dear boy, what in the bubbling swamps brings you here tonight? And who might your friend be? I'm Chevrolet... Chevrolet started, but Magnus interrupt, interrupted her. Uh, this is Chevrolet Glifford, one of my friends from school. I was just bringing her to see the new development my parents are working on, Chevrolet, uh, Magnus said. 
in a voice as much like his mother on the phone as he could muster. Um, and they will be very upset, my parents will be, to find out that I've been grabbed and that you're out here messing things up. He finished angrily, hoping that his fear wouldn't come through his voice. Valix turned to Eowyn. Hmm, the gate in his room, you know. He could have been the curse maker. Eowyn cackled mockingly. This one, he can barely tie his own shoes. A boy who can't even pick up his own toys could never cast a spell. Valix and Mug laughed with her. It was a mean, nasty sound. Quite right, dear, Valix said. But we can't risk any interference tonight. To the dungeons with them, please, Mug. And, if you would, keep an eye on them for us. We still have much to prepare. Yep, grunted Mug. And still holding a struggling kid under each arm, he walked down the hill a short ways. Magnus shouted his protests and threats all the way. But Chevrolet was very silent. She was silent because she was concentrating very hard. When Mug had brought them to the top of the hill, she had gotten a very good glimpse of what Valix and Eowick were up to, and now she was thinking very hard about what to do about it. Meanwhile, their massive captor was walking along a thin path that ran into the trees below the hilltop. He stopped at a low rock wall. A large boulder stood at the corner of the wall, and with one massive kick of his short, stocky leg, Mug kicked the stone out of the way, revealing a tunnel and stairs leading down tunnel was just large enough to fit the monstrous chauffeur. Inside, it was a dimly lit room, just a tiny bit of sunlight filtering through tiny, small windows high up that were only cracks in the rock wall that they had seen. It seemed very old. It smelled damp, like dirt. It wasn't unpleasant, except that, well, they were being chained up in chains that were fixed tight to the rock wall. Once the chains were fixed and locked, Mug placed the keys in the pocket of his jacket, leaned up against the rock wall, and watched his prisoners. He watched them, watched, and then slowly his eyes drooped, and then his eyes closed, and in a few minutes, he was snoring deeply asleep. Magnus whispered to Chevrolet, Can you magic us out of here? No, my hands are chained to my legs, which are chained to the wall. I can't make any of the right spell moves. I can't reach my ingredients. They sat back, feeling sad and defeated. The glumness and the hopelessness was getting thick in that snorry little dungeon when they heard the pitter-pat of soft steps coming down the dungeon steps. They looked up, and there, ever so carefully peering around the stone arch that led to the stairs was Sneaker. He let out a soft whimper, looked at the sleeping mug, and quickly scampered over and started to lick Magnus in the face all over, yipping and whining softly. Sneaker, how'd you find us, buddy? Magnus whispered softly, nuzzling into his furry friend as best he could with all the chains on him. Sneaker whispered and hummed a response. Magnus looked at Chevrolet. I, I can't understand his glump language yet, can you? I can understand enough. He said he was hiding in your room, but when Balak and Egret and Mug all snuck back through... Um, they went into the door. Uh, he says they came out again in robes. They were looking mean. He, he decided to check it out. So he, whoa, he snuck onto the back of the car when they drove down here to the hilltop. He hopped off. He's been hiding in the trees, and he saw everything. He saw us get captured. He followed us down here. Chevrolet leaned towards the little closet glump and whispering, saying, uh, she whispered, 
and sang something in those big furry ears. Sneaker turned and nodded, and he snuck ever so quietly and carefully over to the giant, sleeping, snoring figure of Mug. He delicately, oh so delicately, snuck one curling claw into Mug's jacket pocket and slowly and silently pulled out the ring of keys. When it was out, he brought it over to the prisoners. They wasted no time in unlocking their chains, taking care to do it as quietly as possible. We have to get back to the hilltop and stop that spell, Chevrolet said when she was free. But what do we do with old sleepy pants over here, said Magnus. He's not going to be happy if he wakes up and finds out that we're gone. Hmm, I don't have a binding spell or a wall, but I, I could stop something like him. But maybe if he didn't think we had left yet, that, that could work. She rooted through her bags and pouches, pulled out what she needed, started to hum, gesturing her arms, almost dancing, while she sang, chanted the spell. When she stopped, there was a sparkle of light, and two figures sprung into existence in the corner of the dungeon, perfect copies of Magus and Chevrolet still chained to the dungeon wall. There they sat, these magical imposters, sitting quietly just as they had been while the real Magus and Chevrolet, and now Sneaker, looked on. That illusion ought to fool him long enough for us to do what we need to do, she said. Come on, gang. They left the magical images of Magus and Chevrolet in the dungeon with the sleeping mug and crept back up the stairs. The evening air felt fresh and cool on their faces. The sun was setting. They peered about. No sign of Eowick and Valix, and the big black car was gone. They must have gone to gather more things, Chevrolet said. Now's our chance. We have to ruin their spell somehow without them knowing it. How are we going to do that? asked Magnus. I have a few ideas. It'll be dangerous, but I think it's the only way to stop them without their realizing it. After make some slight, ever so slight alterations to their circle of power, maybe sneak a few ingredients into their circle where they won't notice, and then, at just the right time, we have to break the circle. It'll take some time for me to do it all. Sneaker, you and Magnus keep watch. We have to be well hidden before they get back. So they set to work. Sneaker and Magnus took turns, peering down the road, roaming through the bushes, keeping their eyes open for any movement or car or disturbance of any kind. And while they patrolled the hilltop, Chevrolet was busy. The top of the hill was all dirt, cleared by Magnus's family's bulldozers. Valak and Eowick had set up a large crucible in the center of a circle of power. The circle looked like it had been created with a mixture of terrible, slimy, gooey ingredients. Chevrolet tried not to think of what they had been. She studied the circles and the symbols that were drawn. She thought back to all of her schooling, to the bits of reading that she had done about black magic, to all of her young experience as a spellcaster. And she got to work. And I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that we will have to leave our story there for the time being, because... Yep. That's the music. That's the music that says it's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for following along with our story of Chevrolet Glitterwing, Half Fairy. And we'll be with you next week, next Sunday, 3 to 4 p.m. You've been listening to Benedettiville's Small Town Adventures on KPCA down here in Petaluma, California. That's kpca.fm if you're streaming it on the Internet. We'll be a podcast by Wednesday. And... Um, yeah, thanks for checking in with Benedetti, but we'd like to thank our sponsors. That was the Talking Rock and the Garbage Pail Restaurant. Um, thanks very much to John, Jared, and Rob down here at uh, the KPCA Studios for making everything possible. You guys, we've got an email address and a mailing address. Our email is mail at benedettiville.com. Benedettiville.com, by the way, is also our website. We have P.O. Box. 336 at the Mail Depot here in Petaluma, California. 
Send us anything. We love drawings of dragons, story ideas, ideas for investigations for the Guardian's investigation team, questions, really anything. Um, we look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to seeing you here again next week in Benedetti's Small Town Adventures. Take care, everybody.